We'll start reading in verse number eight. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, and whatever things are just, and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Lord, we posture ourselves Father, to hear what the Spirit wants to say to the church. Lord, as we prepare ourselves for a new year. A new year, Lord God, brings in new opportunities and causes us, Lord, to draw nearer to you, closer to you, so that, Lord, you can give us a sense of direction and purpose. And so, God, I thank you this morning that our faith is renewed, our love for you is renewed, and today, God, you're going to do something incredible and amazing in and through us. And so, Lord, we say this morning, speak to us, Holy Spirit. I pray that you will speak life, that this word this morning, Lord, will not just be words that will fall on uh, a deaf ears or, or hard ground, but a word that will take, get down deep into our souls and change us, Lord. We are about change that is relevant, change that is real, and change, Father, that will take us to new levels as we pursue 2014. We thank you and we love you. All God's people said amen. 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 You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, good morning to every one of you once again. I want to uh, say Happy New Year, and, uh, and I know that you are believing God for some wonderful things because you are here. Amen. Uh, you could have been any other place, but you decided that you want to be in church today because you believe that God has something for you. Um, I'm beginning uh, launching a brand new series uh, this month, and it is entitled Positioned for Success. Everybody say that with me. Positioned for Success. One more time. Positioned for Success. Now, not only am I launching a new series, but this series actually is something that will kind of shape our entire year. And so what I want to do is kind of talk a little bit about the inspiration of this series so that we can kind of understand what I believe the Holy Spirit is doing in and through us. And so how many know that we had some wonderful times in 2013? How many of you would agree with that? God bless your life. You saw some progress and you saw some things happen. Amen. But how many know that there's something about growth in the kingdom of God? That every year, every day is a new day. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. So how many know that God has new mercies for us? And there are, there are new levels that he wants to take us. And so the theme for our year this year is position for success. And so throughout this whole month, I will kind of be talking about the keys that uh, will make us have a successful uh, 2014. 
I, I kind of want to begin this sermon kind of talking about something that I'm slightly uncomfortable about, so y'all have to pray with me because I had to work through this, but the Lord gave me this, and so I want to share it with you. But uh, I've had the privilege of uh, watching all four of my kids uh, come into the earth. Uh, you know, it was a, a very, very exciting time for me. Uh, obviously, when, like any dad, uh, when our first child came, I was a little bit nervous. I didn't know what he would look like. I didn't know it would be ugly. I didn't know if it would be gooey. I didn't know anything. I just was, I just had all of this anxiety. And, uh, you know, and it was a very, very exciting time. And, and actually, I've had the privilege to be able to be a part of all of my children's uh, births. So I got to watch it all. And so, you know, normally through the birthing process, you have the time where you have the conception, and then you have that time where, you know, I had to go to my wife to Lamaze class. I mean, men, you know, who got, who got kids remember the Lamaze class thing. And, uh, you know, you went through this, <laughs> she said no. And you went through this period, obviously, where she has to carry the baby nine months, and then after nine months, it comes a point in time where the cervix has to dilate about 10 centimeters. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about, right, ladies? And this, is, this must happen before you can give birth to the baby. And so we went through this whole period, and I, can just, I, must, I just want to go back to my first experience. And, uh, you know, we went through this whole, I was all excited. And, and my wife, when she called me, uh, she had called me to let me know that the time was now, so we get over to the hospital. And, you know, we first arrived at the hospital, not everybody is in position like I think they're going to be. Uh, you know, because, you know, usually when you, it's time to go to the hospital, my thought is that the baby going to come now. Like, everybody move in now. This is going to happen right now. And, and on a couple of occasions, it didn't happen that way. In fact, almost all of them. Uh, what happened was, you know, you get there and the doctor come in and do a series of checking here and checking there. And everybody seemed to be at ease. Well, my wife is kind of sitting over there and she's huffing and she's puffing and she's, oh, well, and she's, and I'm over there trying to say, baby, breathe. It's going to be all right. And she's telling me, shut up, shut up. You don't know what this feels. I'm saying, breathe, baby, breathe. And, and I realized that I just wasn't making a lot of headway. But then when it came point in time for the, for the baby really to come, because the doctor would come in, and uh, he would come in, and he would check. And so he came in, and he said, well, it's time. And, and you know, so he checked the, you know, the cervix and all that. And so all of a sudden, when it came time uh, for the baby to be born, there was kind of like this mad rush into the operator, not the operator room, but into the room where they're going to give the uh, delivery. So then you get your nurses come in, and they got this table, and everybody come in, and it's almost like from that moment, it's like everything kind of ceases, and we get, everybody is kind of getting in position, waiting for this thing to happen. Now, now understand something about the birthing process. Now, ladies, y'all got to bear with me, because I know you're probably thinking, who is he to say anything about birthing issues. I just, I read up on it. I saw it, okay? I'm, I'm doing my best. Give me the benefit of the doubt. So, but what I notice about this, this birthing thing is, is that, that normally, uh, before you can give birth to the babies, uh, women tend to, they tend to have women to sit kind of on their back and they kind of prop their legs up. And the whole reason behind that is that, how I many know, you, you can't have a baby on a treadmill, right? Uh, you can't have the baby on your stomach, right? You can't really have a baby over on your side. You have to get into position. Everybody say position. Position is very, very important. 
And so I, 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 I saw how everybody, when, when, when the baby, my wife had got into position, all the doctors had got into position. And so my whole thing, I'm thinking, now this thing is ready to go. And the doctor looked at my wife, and he says, don't push. And my wife looked at me and said, I want to push. And the doctor said, you can't push. And, and I remember thinking to myself, like, why, why? And it's almost as if the doctor kind of got there, and he kind of said, well, you know, um, I got to make sure the baby head is down. I got to make sure everything is aligned properly so that when you do push, something is going to happen. Amen. Because if you push too soon, we, we have some issues. Baby probably get hurt. The mother could get hurt. But we got to push at the right time. Now, I said all that to say is this. How many know that in life we have to get into position if we want God to bless us? See, there is, there, is, there is spiritual protocol to everything that God wants to do. God is a God of order. Everybody say order. He is a God who controls all things by the word of his power. And God wants that God has a spiritual protocol in how he wants things done. Now, now, I know that sometimes in life, and many of us have maybe found yourself in 2013, you have encountered some situation where you've been really, really pushing, amen? You've been pushing, trying to make something happen, and for whatever reason, it did not happen. Maybe, you know, you got a little bit discouraged. Maybe you got a little bit frustrated in the process. But understand that when it comes down to, uh, to uh, giving birth to what God wants to do, we all need to position ourselves. We all need to get in place. And sometimes God doesn't bless because we're not in position. Let me talk to you a little bit about position. Position has to do with those things in our lives that will hinder the blessing. How many know what I'm talking about? Those issues of sin, those issues of character flaws, those issues that uh, God has been speaking to us about. How I many know that until we deal with those issues, it can be a hindrance to what God wants to do in our lives. Now, one thing I've learned about God, God will not bless. He will, he will not violate his word in order to bless us. Amen. God will not violate the integrity of his word, who he is, his character, in order to bless us. And so our whole, our whole thing this year is that we want to get into position. In other words, we want to align ourselves up so that God can then work and move through us. How many know God wants you to be fruitful? How many know God wants you to be blessed? God wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed, believe it or not. It is God's desire that we bear much fruit, right? And if we're not bearing fruit, then we got to ask ourselves some question. Why aren't we bearing fruit? What are those things in our lives that is hindering our capacity and our ability to be able to facilitate the blessing? And so this whole thing of position really has to do with Get aligning ourselves so that when God get ready to move, we can receive the blessing. Uh, during this month, I'm going to be looking at several things. We're going to be talking about uh, planning for success. We're going to be talking about connecting with the right people. How many know connecting with the right people is important? So y'all, 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 how many know, how many know that? Amen. Uh, we're going to talk about the importance of working our plan. We're going to talk about today uh, having the right attitude. Everybody say attitude. And typically, that word attitude sometimes can be a very negative thing, right? Uh, you ever hear somebody say, man, you got an attitude. Usually when people say you have an attitude, they're saying that there's something wrong with you. 
your personality is warped, or you're mad about something, or you're sarcastic about something. But how many know that in order to win in 2014, in order to win in general, there's a certain attitude that we must have. And so some of us uh, have come out of situations that were the environments were not really conducive to a winning attitude. Uh, I myself came from an environment where it was, it was a bunch of uh, uh, negative stuff. You, the, you know, the atmosphere was not uh, very positive in a lot of ways. There was a lot of negativism. Uh, I kind of grew up in an environment that I didn't even really know that I could win. Uh, you know, I grew up believing that my life and would kind of be always what it was. And negative, I saw you know, my, my family members and some of my family generations of sin, and I thought that this was just part of the cycle. I thought that I would never change. I thought that this, this will always be me. But something about the kingdom, when you come into the kingdom, we must learn how to, how to adjust to a kingdom mindset and, and understand what is it, what is it, what is success in the eyes of God? What kind of attitude do I need to have? So when people speak of my attitude, what is an attitude that is an attitude of success? That's what we're talking about. How, how do I know that I have an attitude that is rooted and grounded in God? And so I got eight, eight keys I'm going to share with you this morning in developing a winning attitude. You got your pen and paper ready? Are you ready to go? Amen. I know one person here got pen and paper because she always has pen and paper and she knows who she is. Shannon Preston. Amen. <laughs> Number one, are y'all ready? We'll talk about eight keys to developing a winning attitude. Number one, positive confession. You got to have a positive confession. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, everybody say hearing, hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want to read that one, one more time because I want you to really hear it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we talk about faith, how is it can I, 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 I build my faith in God? Number one, I need to hear. You know, Jesus said in one place in the Bible, he says that we got to be very careful about what we hear. How many know that what you hear can affect your life? What you feed yourself can affect your life. I was at a place the other day, I'm not going to say where I was, but they were just looking at some TV, and I thought, and they were looking at what I call, you know, just, you know, reality TV, whatever that was. I don't know how people have so much time to watch, because I, I got my own drama. I don't need to look at no other stuff on TV. But anyway, that's a whole other. But I'm sitting here, and, and, and I, just, I just thought, man, if you feed yourself with this stuff all the time, I mean, and, and it's all just negative. But, you know, going into 2014, how many know we need to be people that speak positive? What I mean by that is I'm not just talking about a kind of a, a, a just a, a worldly kind of positive confession. I'm talking about a confession that is rooted in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. So here's what I need to do. I need to speak. I need to make a declaration on what I expect God to do. Amen? So if I really believe that I want God to do whatever God is going to do, I need to confess it. I need to say it out loud. Faith comes by hearing. You hear me a lot of times I say when you pray, sometimes it's good to pray out loud. Why do I say pray out loud? Because you get to hear and you get to build faith. After a while, you keep saying it, you keep saying it, you keep saying it, you believe it. And then he says faith comes by hearing by the word of God. So what do we want to, what kind of confession do we want to have? Our confession must be rooted in what God says. 
what does the Bible say? In, in other words, instead of confessing, for an example, I'm just using some examples. Well, you know, I'm an alcoholic and I always be an alcoholic. I would just say, why don't you just confess that, you know what, I've been set free by the blood of a lamb. That's not who I am anymore. Amen. Instead of confessing that I can't do it, well, why don't you just turn around and say, well, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Instead of confessing uh, I am sick and I will never get, how, why don't you declare that by his stripes I am what? Healed. In other words, we need to make a declaration of what we're expecting God to do. Because our mouth get in the way of our prayer sometimes. Now, now there's a scripture verse, in, a Proverbs 18:21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat this fruit. Now, I want you to hear that. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. All right? What we say. Now, here's what we do sometimes as Christians. I see this. I, I'm a witness to this. and probably have done it, you know, shamefully. Shamefully, I have to tell you that. I've probably done it myself. But how many of you have, have prayed to God, right? You prayed. He said, Lord, Lord, move by your mighty power. God, God, we're believing you, God, to do some great things. God, we know, God, that you're going to turn this situation around. And then you get right back up and you open your mouth and say, I don't think this thing going to work. Uh, you know, I, I, this situation, this thing, this thing ain't ever going to change. How many know that, that, our, that our prayer and our confession got to match up? In other words, if you really believe God, then speak it. Speak what you are believing God for. Not just when you're praying, but when you get up off of your knees, you need to have a positive confession. In other words, what I'm going to release is I want God to move. I want God to heal me. So that's what I'm going to declare. I'm going to declare that my children are going to be blessed this year. Amen. I'm going to declare that I'm going to have a happy marriage in Jesus' name. I'm going to declare that I'm going to get along with the folks on the job and there will be peace on my job. I am going to declare that this year that God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm going to declare, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to confess the word of God. And what we need to do as a people, we need, how many know God sees, God knows? And so, so when we say one thing on our knees and we get up, how many know God is looking at what we say when we get up? So we need to line everything up, amen? So, so, we, need, so we need to change. If you're going to have a great 2014, you got a positive, a, a, a wonderful 2014, we got we to speak positive. And when I say speak positive, speak the word of God over your situation, amen? amen. Number two, if you're going to have a successful attitude, a great attitude, an attitude of success, then we need to have a don't quit attitude. Everybody say don't quit. Don't quit. Man, how many know we live in a generation of quitters, don't we? <laughs> Man, we just, people will quit on you in a minute. The Bible says that a faithful man is hard to find. How many know I believe that? Faithful folk are hard to find. Because it's so easy, you know, and, and it's amazing how this works because, um, you know, you look at somebody, I was thinking the other day, I, I thought about this, and I want, to, I, I want to use this sport analogy. I don't really, uh, you know, this is probably not the best idea, but, but you know, how many are familiar with Tiger Woods? Amen. Tiger Woods is, you know, I like to golf. Y'all know I like to golf. And Tiger Woods, you know, he had his little problem. Y'all know what his little problem was. And he went through a period of about two or three years. He wasn't winning anything, you know. But every time that boy came to the microphone, he just kept, because, you know, and part of, I remember some people saying, man, Tiger Woods ought to just quit because he's done. You know, people that think successful, 
they don't think quit. Quitting does not come into their mindset. If you, if you look at men and women, men, even people in the Bible, men of faith, women of faith, people that have a positive attitude, that have, uh, have an attitude of success, they don't think about quitting. You see, adversity to them, watch this, is fuel. When it gets hard, they dig down deeper. But how many know that there's something about a people that will not quit on God? You know, the, the Apostle Paul, how many know he had a whole lot of reasons to quit? Called of God to be an apostle. He didn't ask to be called. God called him. And then God had him locked up in jail. God had him beat up. God had him stuck over uh, uh, in, 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 in the waters for basically abandoned. Uh, he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry most of the time. And yet God had called him. But you know what Apostle Paul said? Apostle Paul said, he said, though I have this treasure and earthen vessel, I will not quit. See, how many know, in order, listen to me, adversity, I'm a couple of verses, Proverbs 24, 10. Just write it down because you don't have time to turn there. Proverbs 24, 10 says this, watch this. If you faint in the day of adversity, watch this, your strength is small. You got that? If you faint in the day, everybody say day, day, of adversity. Now, here's what that verse tells me. Here's what that verse tells me. Adversity is going to come. How many of you love adversity? How many of us spend most of our time trying to duck and hide every single problem known to man, don't we? But it's something about adversity. He says, if you faint in the day of adversity because it's going to come, your strength is small. So he said, people that, that faint or people that quit or people that give up, how many know that you cannot have a, a quitting attitude and, 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 and really, really expect God to use you in incredible ways? You know why? Because adversity is going to come your way. If you try to walk with God, you try to serve God, how many know adversity is going to come? It's going to come knocking at your door. And you can't be one of those that quit, and you can't be worried about whether or not everybody liked you. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody don't like you, just in case you didn't know it. Everybody don't like you. Yeah, there's some people out there who want you hurt. There's some people out there that's plotting your demise. I know all that, but so what? I got to do what God has called me to do. And so I'm not going to faint in the midst of adversity because I know that what I'm doing is of God. All I need to know, the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, y'all know this verse, and don't be weary in doing well for in due season, everybody say due season, you will reap if you don't faint. So, how, so here's the question I got to ask myself. The thing that I'm doing, is it good? Is it profitable? Is it within the will of God? Then here's the thing. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Why? Because how I many you know the Bible don't lie? He says you will reap in due season. Everybody say due season. There's a due season that God has determined your blessing. But the key to it is you can't, you can't quit. Amen? Number three, we're going to have a successful attitude. We need to have an unyielding faith, an unyielding faith. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Run to Hebrews real quick, chapter 11, verse 32. Hebrews chapter number 11. Starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through, watch this folks, 
Faith subdued kingdoms. Now, I want you to get this because we think about faith in God. I think sometimes the way we interpret faith is a little bit skewed. But I want you to see how he says this. Watch this. He says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked, watch this, righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. And I don't know about you, but you know, lions ain't usually that friendly. <laughs> Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Sound like to me somebody was on the run. <laughs> Out of weakness, watch this, they were made strong. They became violent, uh, violent, violent in battle. They turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others, watch this, listen to this. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still other had trial of mockings and scourgings, and yes, and of chains and imprisonment. How many of you like this recipe? Y'all liking this so far? Watch this. I ain't finished yet. Verse 37. They were stoned. They were sown in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. We talk about faith. Faith means that this is, this is what real faith is. Faith means this, that no matter what life brings your way, no matter what problems, no matter what circumstances, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what you have to face every single day, faith says that no matter what, I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to believe him all the way to the end. How many know that if we're going to have a successful attitude, how many know we've got to be a people of faith? The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And so, you can't allow the devil, watch this, because the whole point of the devil is to get you to overthrow your faith. You know, because if he can get you to overthrow your faith, he can mess your life up. You know, most of the time when people of God start going off the, off the deep end, we start acting up. I know none of y'all have never really acted up. But you know, when we start acting up, a lot of times it's because we lost faith. Somewhere in there, we stop believing God. Somewhere in there, we decided that we're going to take control or we're going to stop or somehow we just, we're doubting whether or not God is with us. And so what did the devil tell you all the time? God cannot be with you because if he was with you, this would be different. If God was really with you, this wouldn't have happened. If God was really with you, then, then this would have turned around a whole lot quicker. How many know that the Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you? You got to believe, watch this, if you're going to have a 2014, you got to, listen, you got to get your roots down deep in God. Amen. That no matter what life throws at you, your faith in God is steady. You're like a steamroll. Nothing stops you. You keep proclaiming, you keep preaching, you keep serving, you keep working because you know that God has already given you the victory. How many know you need to walk like you got the victory? Amen? Number four. Be number four, you got to have a positive self-image. Amen? You can have a great attitude in 2014. We have to have a positive self-image. Uh, look at, go run the numbers real quick. Numbers chapter 13. I read this verse last week, but I want to I read it again. For some of you have may, who may have missed it. Numbers chapter 13. Y'all remember this story about the spies? Who went in to spy out the land. And uh, they went over there and 
Two of them came back and they were full of faith. The rest of the 10 was full of rebellion. They didn't believe God, not one iota. But then look at verse number 30 in uh, Numbers chapter 13. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, watch this, let us go up at once and take possession. <laughs> For we are well able to overcome it. How many like to be around people that think that way? Let's go do this. We are well able. How many we got? Doesn't matter. Let's do it. Let's go. God has given us the victory. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. Now, now watch the revelation in this. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Everybody say bad. bad. Of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land though through which uh, we have gone as spies is a land that devoured its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And watch this. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Amnak and came and, 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 and came from and they came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now, why is this self-image thing is important? Because. Many of us have grown up thinking ourselves to be one way. Maybe you've grown up and you had a battle with low self-esteem. Maybe you don't really see yourself of being a person of influence. Maybe that you grew up in an environment where there was persistent violence. Maybe in an environment that there was alcoholism. And every example that you have before you is nothing really positive. But now I must remind you that things have changed. Look at the neighbor say things have changed. You have to, listen, you have to see yourself a different way. Whatever you were, watch this now, whatever you was before you came to Christ, watch this, you ain't that no more. Amen. Watch this now. If you used to be a drunkard, you ain't drunk no more. Amen? If you used to be whoring around, you ain't whoring around no more. If you used to be a thief, you stop stealing. If you used to be manipulative, you don't do that no more. Why? Because you have been changed. I said before that God's people are, uh, are originals, but we spend most of our life trying to be copies. We have an identity crisis. We don't really know who we are, but we find our self-worth and what God said we are. He tells us, he defines who I am, not my circumstance, not even my family. Lord knows I love my family. But my family has some generational issues. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? We have some issues, and they don't define me. What defines me is who God says I am. Do you hear me? Amen. It's not what people say. So when people try to remind you of your past, you tell them about your future. And you tell them, like my wife always joked with me. She always say, well, I, and I, I, every now and then I, I fool around with her. Baby, you remember when you were in college? This? She said, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> you got to develop amnesia. You got to put the past, how many know, behind you. You got to think differently about yourself. You need to declare over yourself that I am a king's kid, that I am blessed, I am highly favored, hallelujah. There's no self-esteem issues here. I am loaded with confidence Amen. because I have resurrection power living down on the inside of me. See, you got to believe that about yourself. You got to change the way you think. And watch this, you resonate Whatever you think about yourself, you better believe it. You will send that out. Even if you ain't trying, people are going to, I mean, no, people can figure you out real quick. You lack confidence. You know, you got this or you got, I mean, no, we need to change. Everybody say change. change. 
How are you going to, how are you going to change your self-image? The next point. Here's the next point. Number five. Everybody say renew your mind. You got to get renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's Ephesians 4.23. So how do I change my, pastor, I hear you saying, pastor, I, I need to change this, this the way I see myself. I, I need to change this. How do I do it? Well, you do it, well, watch this, by renewing your mind according to the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 12, 12, 2, or 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transform, change, renew your mind. And, you know, in order to renew your mind, going back to what I said earlier, if your mind is going to get renewed, you got to start, you got to look at your life and you got to start cutting some things off that's causing you to hold on to those same old dirty mindset. I like to call it stinking thinking. <laughs> How many know we need to get away from that stinking thinking? And we need to renew our mind. What does God say about who I am? In uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, we read it earlier, and it says this, uh, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, he says meditate on these things. So Paul is telling us, here's how we need to think. So we got to get rid of the negative thinking. We got to get rid of all that thinking that contaminates us because here's, here's the thing. The Bible says in, uh, I believe, um, in Proverbs, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, so whatever you think, so are you. So you need to renew your mind. Amen? I like this verse. Write this verse down. This is a great verse. If you don't get anything else I said out of the day, then just remember this verse. Uh, Acts 26.2, Paul said, I think myself happy. <laughs> Walk in that. I just, how you doing today? I think myself happy. Uh, I just, I think, my, in other words, Paul said, I go to my happy place. <laughs> I'm renewing my mind. I'm thinking different. I'm, I'm getting the mind of God. I'm understanding who he is. How am I going to find out who I am? I got to soak this up. I got to soak it up. And, and I got to embrace who God says I am. And I got to renew my thinking so that I can be in line with what he want to do in my life. Number six, if we're going to have a great attitude in 2014, watch this. You got to confront your fears. Oh, this is a big one, isn't it? You got to confront your fears. Now, every one of us, you, and we talk about attitude. First of all, you got you to expect to win. Amen? Expect to win. Everybody say expect to win. You got to expect to win. You got to go, go in this year, you got to expect, I'm going to win. And you got to make that declaration, I'm going to win no matter what I'm doing. I'm, everything I put my hands to, I'm going to be blessed. Oh, Pastor, that's a stretch. Well, what else are you going to believe? I just choose to believe the word of God. Watch this now. We talk about fear. Uh, it says over in 2 Timothy 1.7, you write this verse down. It says, so God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I could say, I could preach a whole sermon on fear, but I won't. But let me say this to you, that if you're going to move into what God has for you, ain't but one way to overcome your fears. Ain't but one way. Do y'all know what that is? It's not but one way. If you're fearing, if you're not doing something today simply because I'm scared. Some of us, God has told us to do certain things. I don't know what it could be. 
you know, business or uh, stepping out, public speaking, or it could be some, some adventure got it, but you won't do it simply because you're afraid. How many know the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear? That is, see, you're going to have feelings of fear. How many know what I'm talking about? But, but watch this. It, it, it's, it's, it's not the issue that the fact that you have the feelings. It's what you do with those feelings when they come. And what I learned is the only way that you're going to defeat fear in your life, because I'm going to tell you something, God got some great plans for you, amen? You got to believe that. The only way you're going to confront your fears, the only way you're going to defeat your fears, you just got to get up and say, I'm going to confront them, and whatever happens, happens. I had to learn that in my own personal life. That you have to get, see, what happens is we get fear of failure. I'm scared I'm going to fail. Oh, what are they going to think about me? If I did this, oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to think about you? What, you know, you, you think about yourself too much. How many know many of us need to be delivered from ourselves? Deliver from your own way of thinking. And the only way to overcome fear, you just got to step out and say, you know what? Lord, whatever happens, happens, but I'm going. You remember like Esther? Esther, Esther she went before the king. She said, y'all pray for me. She said, pray for me because I'm going to the king. If I perish, I perish. But I got to do this thing because God has put it in my heart to do it. God has put some things in some of your heart to do it. And you are stalling because you're scared. And here's the thing. God has not given you that. You need to come up out of that. You need to say, the devil is a liar. I'm going to walk into what God has given me. Amen. I'll say amen all by myself. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, 5. You know, Apostle Paul experienced some feelings of fear. Did you know that? Paul talked about a lot of times he had some, some feelings of fear. But you know what, though? But boy, that didn't stop the boy, did he? Fear never crippled. Fear, see, see, fear is a bad thing when it stops you. And if you've been called by God to do anything, it's going to hound you until you step up to the plate and die to yourself and let God do in you what he wants to do in you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, listen to this. And this is Paul talking. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness. Watch this. In fear. Watch this. And in trembling. Now, you, you think of Paul. You don't think of Paul being in front of anybody in fear and trembling. Paul said, look, but he said, I was, I was before you in fear and trembling. But here's the thing. I, I did. He said, he said, and verse 4, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How many know that when you and I confront our fears, how many know that when we confront our fears, then we will find ourselves going to the next level that God has for us. We'll develop confidence, we'll develop faith, and we'll achieve the thing that God wants us to achieve. So you got to confront your fear. Ain't but one way to overcome it, confront it. Amen? Um, number, number eight. This, actually, this is number seven. We're only going to do seven instead of eight. Number seven. Now, watch this. This seems to be odd, but, but, but I want you to catch this. This is the final one. You got to develop winners around you. A culture of winners. You know, everything that God does in you is not just for you. You know that, right? See, I think about successful people people who have an attitude of success, 
they're always thinking about the next guy and how to advance them. Now, now here, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm going to talk to you for a moment. So how many of you ever heard of John Maxwell? John Maxwell does a lot of great stuff. On, if you ever read John Maxwell's stuff on leadership, it is absolutely incredible. That man is, I read a lot of his books. But he's really, but you know, he, he invests a lot of his time. All he wants to do is he goes around and he just invests in people. And he's always sharing these leadership tips. And he's sharing principles from the word of God that will cause a person to be advanced. Because here's the, th here's the thing you got to understand about successful people. Successful people understand that their success is tied to other people's success. Do you hear me? So in other words, if, 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 if I want to be successful, then I need to figure out a way to make you successful. Now here's the thing. The devil tells us completely opposite, right? What is the devil? The devil tells you, no, it's all about you. Just, just you. you. You just get on top. If you got to walk on some people, if you got to step on some people, you do what you got to do. But this is all about you. You get yourself to the top. That's not kingdom thinking. Success, real good, successful people, they are wise. They will sit there and they will open up the covers. They will show you. They will say, look, let me show you how to advance. See, we're going to be successful people winning attitude. How many know we got to be after each other's success? See, I gotta be comfortable with Diva succeeding. I gotta be comfortable with Walter getting on top. I gotta be comfortable with, with David. I gotta be comfortable saying, man, you take this, if you can take this thing further than me, then take it. Amen. Take it. Why? Because I want your success. So, so we wanna build a culture, watch this, a culture of winners. First, and uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says this, and here's a scripture verse for it, because some of you may be saying, well, Pastor, can you just give me a scripture verse to prove that? Okay, I got a scripture verse to prove that, because I know y'all like the scriptures. Uh, 2, 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, commit these to faithful men, watch this, who will be able to teach others also. So here's what we do. So if we want to be successful, invest our lives into the lives of other people. Pour out your life. Be a blessing to somebody else. See to it that somebody else succeed. You know, one of the things that, that, that and, I, and I know sometimes I get pushed back, but I send an email out to, our, to my staff, and we were just kind of talking about some things, and I've been sharing about some things about how we need to get better. But you know, the whole inspiration behind me doing all that is because I want to see you succeed. Because if you succeed, we all succeed together. So what that means is we got to push each other towards success. Amen? And sometimes, how I many know, sometimes you even got to get on each other's nerve. But if our heart is in the right place, see, if your heart is in the right place and your goal is, you know what, you know what, I want to help you to get to the top. Parents, that's what we do for our kids, right? I mean, we work so hard because, and they don't understand it sometimes, because they think all we all about is just giving them rules and regulations, and we're just trying to put them on lockdown. Having no parents, we ain't trying to put our kids on lockdown, amen? We ain't trying, we want, we want them to succeed. So what I want to do, I want to position you for success. So there are some things in your life that we got to get rid of. So we got to identify the things that is causing you to be blocked, that is causing you not to be able to get to your blessing. See, that's what positioning for success really is all about. It's about identifying those things. What is it that is causing me not to get to the next level? And so much of what we'll be doing this year in, in our church and in your personal life, I hope, is that you will be getting yourself in position. In other words, 
In other words, while you're praying about this year, and I know many of you are, here's what you also need to pray. God, show me areas in my life that has clogged up my blessing. What is it in my life, Lord, that has gotten in the way of me? Because we know that he wants us to prosper. He wants us to bear much fruit. So let's ask God the question. God, what is it? And then we have to, watch this, we have to be honest enough and to receive what the Holy Spirit is going to say. And then we have to be willing to change. Amen. We have to be willing to change because we got to get in position. Remember I said the analogy I gave about the baby, right? We can't have a baby, whether you know, figuratively or really, uh, in actuality. We can't have a baby until we get in position. We can't experience the full maximum blessing of God until we get into right position, right order, right protocol. When we do that, now we're in position to give birth. And when we push, how do we know something's going to happen? Amen. Amen.